Neil feel really, really welcome as he comes up. Well, good morning, everyone. Actually, afternoon. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, and a really warm welcome to those of you who are new and visiting, perhaps for the first time, or just getting used to us. It's great to have you here, and, and thank you for uh, tuning in, connecting in with us today online. Good to see you too. Right. As Richard said, we're continuing our series, Sitting at His Feet, and we're looking at this morning at another aspect of Jesus, and it's uh, really the title is for full of power, full of power. And in this account that we're about to read in Mark's gospel, we, we not only see what Jesus does, but it leaves the disciples asking the question and in utter bewilderment, and they're saying, who is this? Who is this? So let's turn our Bibles to uh, Mark chapter 4. Um, if you haven't got a Bible, the words will come up on screen. If you have got a Bible, I always encourage people, just open it so you know where Mark 4 is, if you ever want to go back there again. And uh, you can even make notes in your Bible if you're up to that as well. Verse 35. That day, when the evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side, leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? And he got up. And rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. When the wind died down and it was completely calm, sorry, then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified. They asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. <laughs> Someone once said that you never forget your first storm at sea. And for our family, that is true. We were on a return ferry trip back from Calais to Dover. And, and it was rough. I mean, it was so rough that uh, ours was the last ferry to leave Calais. And everything after that, we found this out later, everything after that, no, nothing's going across the channel. And um, so, our, but our kids loved it. I mean, the waves were coming up. I mean, it was just enormous. And, and they were kneeling, top deck windows, and the waves are coming up, they're hurling at the top of their windows. And every wave that came up, the kids were going, yeah, yeah. You know, it was amazing. They had a great time. And then the, sea, the, 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 the ferry had this sort of seesaw effect. Up, down, up, down. Well, I have to say, um, not everybody was delighted 
uh, with that occasion. Um, toilets were the last place that you needed to go to. I can, I can assure you, it wasn't pleasant in there. And for some, this was not a great adventure. And I suspect for those people, that was the last ferry journey they were ever, ever going to embark on. See, there's one thing, one thing to be aboard on a ferry in a storm. But an open fishing boat, that's another thing entirely. And in this story, there's not a hint of exhilaration. Did you notice that? <laughs> not a hint of exhilaration. Nobody's happy. And, uh, and, the, and the, the thing about the story is, is that the, the, the disciples are more terrified at the end of the storm than they were at the beginning. So three things. This really happened. It's important to do that. Secondly, we're talking about infinite power here. And thirdly, the Bible says his power works in us. So, first point, it really happened. And, and Mark and the other gospel writers, you know, they write their accounts of Jesus' life in real time so, and, and in real history. So you get... Uh, it's certainly in Luke's gospel you find he goes, in the time of Caesar Augustus. And he talks about Quirinius, the governor of Syria. So you're getting people, names, places, dates. It's all in there. And they wrote them deliberately so that you, could, you, you knew this was in real time. I remember a, a relative of mine, uh, and he just dismissed Jesus as a myth. I was shocked. I was really quite shocked. Because he's a very intelligent man. He's very intelligent. And oh, it's just a myth. But you, you, you know if you do any, just a minimum amount of research, you're, that does not stack up. You can't hold that view. It's, it's erroneous to hold that view. Secular sources will tell you, not just Christian, Christian sources. He was a real person. And these are real events that happened in the Gospels that you read about. And then there's the way they're written. So you've got details such, I don't know if you noticed that phrase, just as he was. What, 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 what does that mean? Well, if you look at the earlier chapter of Mark, he, um, Jesus is teaching from a boat. And all it means was is that he just moved from one boat to the other. Come evening time, moved from one boat to the other just as he was. In other words, there was no excursion on land. It's just as he was. And then you've got details such as sleeping on a cushion. And there were also other boats. There's specific details. They do nothing to enhance the story whatsoever. See, myths and legends in those days, they weren't written like this. You didn't have all this added detail. These are more like memories of the occasion, sort of eyewitness recollections. So they underline the point that this can be checked out. You can be, it, this can be verified. You can ask people, did this happen? My friends, this is a real happening, a real happening. Now, why does that matter? Well, it matters because people... People tell me that they actually, they like Jesus. They like the person of Jesus. They, they think he's a great example to follow. They think his teaching is wise, his profound insights. 
I hear all of this. And, and what's more, he's a loving and forgiving, and he's a man of peace. But, and then they'll say, but there are some things I just don't agree with. I just don't agree with. Some of the things he says, I just don't agree with it. And then there are some people that struggle with accounts like this because it's, um, it's an account of miraculous stuff. I, I, can't, I can't go with that. Uh, listen, and this is really important. Either Jesus was not raised from the dead and it didn't really happen, or he was the Son of God raised from the dead. And that's the point. If that is the case, what you and I think and what we like or dislike, do you know, it doesn't really matter. You have to take him as he is. You can't build Jesus on your likes. You have to take him as he is. You can't pick and choose the Jesus that you feel comfortable with. If you read these Gospels, you realize you can't do this and he won't allow you to do it either. So I'm telling you, this is a real event. This is a real happening and you're seeing real power at work. And that, and that moves on to the second point. What is this power? It, well, it's infinite power. You can't measure this. You know, in the face of such power, all you can say is, who is this? Bit of geography. Sea of Galilee is 700 feet below sea level. The terrain surrounding it acts as gigantic funnels that, that draw the winds from the mountains and they create violent and sudden storms. It isn't that they hadn't been in a storm before. It's just not like this one. There hadn't been one like this. This is something else. You have experienced sailors in the boat. They're fishermen. They know this stretch of water. The water's breaking over the boat. It's getting swamped. They're at panic stations. They're going to sink. And one of their number, and unbelievably, one of their number is asleep in the boat. They say some people can sleep through anything. If you've got one of those, give them a nudge. They can sleep through anything. And Jesus is sleeping. I mean, he could at least panic with the rest of them. This storm is so violent. They think they are going to drown. Don't you care if we drown? No, perhaps, or maybe, they're going to drown. And Jesus gets up, and he speaks three words. It's no big gestures. Do you notice that? No big gestures. No grand speech, no wand, just in case you're into wands, no wand, no in the name of, none of that, three words, quiet, be still. Uh, they say that it's phrased in such a way that Jesus is saying, quiet. And stay quiet. When I point my finger like that, I'm not looking at anybody in particular. You do realize that. <laughs> He's speaking to a, a storm of 
hurricane proportions. And it's as if he's speaking to a child. And it did. Verse 39 says, Then the wind died down, and it was completely still. It's completely calm. Normally when the wind dies down, there's still this considerable movement going on. Mm-mm. No. Everything stops. So one minute... There's panic going on in the boat. The storm is so loud you can hardly hear yourself speak. I don't think they said to Jesus, Master, do you care, don't you care if we drown? I think they shouted at him, don't you care if we drown? One minute, there's all this hubbub going on. And then the next, utter calm. I mean, what was it like to be in that boat? Whoa! Everything's changed. Mega calm. Except the disciples. They weren't mega calm. They were terrified. When they woke, you know, when they woke him earlier on and as the storm was raging, they said, teacher, don't you care? Don't you care if we drown? And that evening, you know, they embarked on an eight-mile journey with a, with a rabbi a sleepy rabbi, that's the Jewish name for teacher. And a few hours later, they find themselves with one who commanded creation to be still. Utterly still. I mean, the sea's frightening. But the king of the sea is terrifying. Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. My friends, Jesus has infinite power. This is your Jesus. Hebrews tells us, it says, in Hebrews 1, it says, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. He speaks, it happens. The sea, you know, it can be an absolute joy, can't it? The sea can be an absolute joy. People love the sea. And um, people spend thousands of pounds to spend a week or two by the sea. They just, they do that. They love the sea. It can be the scariest place in creation. We've seen its power. Overturn ships and wash away cities. Psalm 93 uses this for the sea as a comparison to show the might of God. So in Psalm 93 it goes, uh, the seas have lifted up, Lord. The seas have lifted up their voice. The seas have lifted up their pounding waves. Mightier than the thunder of the great waters. Mightier than the breakers of the sea. The Lord on high is mighty. They knew, they knew how mighty God was. It's not just that God is mightier than the sea. He made it. The difference between God and the sea 
is not like that between a Steinway piano and a Casio keyboard. It's a different category whatsoever. He's creator, and he speaks to his creation. This is infinite power, my friends. The sea was created by the sea was created by God. And when I was uh, lived down in Devon for a while, I used to go down to the cliffs. I I found the sea mesmerizing. I don't know about you, if you ever and the pounding, the sheer, the sheer force of it and the sheer wonder of it. I just loved it. It's a signpost of the astonishing, breathtaking power of the glory of God. It does well for us Christians to remember that he's not God Almighty, but he is God Almighty. And wind and water do whatever he says. Be still. Become wine. Bear weight. He is creator. And it is created. He is before all things, Colossians tells us. And in him, all things come together. The gospels are full of his power. You know, this leper comes to Jesus and falls at his feet and he says to Jesus, if you're willing, you can make me clean. I, I love that story. Because he says, okay, be clean. He doesn't do that. He touches the man. I thought, when was the last time that man was touched? Touches him and be clean. Gone. Done. End of. In him all things hold together. He sustains everything by his powerful word. And after he stills the wind and the waves, he says to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? <laughs> I'm thinking, whoa. But Lord, this is a different ball game altogether. I've never seen anybody do this before. But it's not as if they didn't have evidence. He's given them plenty of evidence. Healing the sick, feeding thousands of people, five loaves, two fish, raising the dead. This is our God. And this is our Jesus who has infinite power. So do you see who he is? Or have you a diminished Jesus? Don't do that. He has infinite power. And while the sea was raging, the disciples were afraid. And when it stopped, they're terrified. And their fear is now is, is now in the one who is for them. Because Jesus is in the boat with them. And he stops the storm. He is for them. See, the fear of God works like that when you know he's for you. You've watched the final scene of Jurassic Park and uh, you're more afraid of the T-Rex that comes to rescue the children from the uh, uh, Velociraptors. I've got that all wrong, haven't I? But anyway, you know what I mean. And, um, and, and they're trying to kill the children. But you know the T-Rex is on their side. The fear is one of appreciative reverence and awe. And that is the only suitable response we can have to the king of the sea, 
Jesus is on our side. The Bible tells us if God is for us, who can be against us? Christians, it's really important for you to get a hold of this. How often have you, like the disciples, how often have you said, don't you care? That's what they say, isn't it? Don't you care? Martha says it a little, by, a little bit later on, and, and she's doing all the food preparations of what it is because there's a lot of people that come to the house, and there's a lot of people who come there, and, the, and, and her sister's sitting there at Jesus' feet, <laughs> lapping up everything that Jesus is saying, and she said, Lord, don't you care? You know, look at my sister, I, I wanted to help, don't you care? It's an interesting line, don't you care? Listen, of course he cares. Of course he cares. Following Jesus doesn't mean we don't have storms in our life. We're not immune from storms, storm-free. Far from it. Jesus actually said, in this world you will have troubles. Storms can change us. This storm changed the disciples. They had a revelation that Jesus, of who Jesus was, that utterly revolutionized their lives. The other week, the other week I'm sitting uh, with a couple of friends of mine and, and there was this other person who was at the table. Uh, we, we, we just played golf, but um, he, he'd already done that and he was sitting at the table. And we're talking with each other, the four of us, around the table and then the thing of church comes up and, and so he says, what, what, what's this about church? What's all this about church? Um, you know, why, why do you go to church? What, what happened that you went to church? And so one of my friends explained what happened to him. It's a great opening, isn't it? I mean, it just says, so he explains what happened to him. He said, well, I, I was going to church and then, and then I heard that a person could truly experience the power of God in his life. So he said, I, 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 went, up the, I went up for prayer one Sunday morning. I thought, and I, I didn't think much of it. I thought, oh, I'm not sure really, you know. And said, anyway, I went up for prayer one morning. And, and, and in that prayer time, he told the Lord everything. And this was between him and the Lord, but he was said, I was hoping nobody would hear what I was saying because I had done some rubbish stuff. And I, I thought, and I, even as I was saying this, I was thinking, I hope these people can't hear me. I hope these people can't hear me. And then he stood there and we, yeah, we, we were told, he said, uh, he was told to wait and then they prayed for him. And then he said to this person across the table, he said, at what point, at that point, this, all I can describe it, he says, is this golden stream of light poured through my head, from the top of my head, right the way through my body, right to my toes. He said, it was incredible. And I, I said, I felt so clean. I, and I, I knew I was forgiven of all that stuff, all that baggage, and that guilt and shame that I carried. I knew I was clean. I never experienced anything like it. Now, my friends, it was many, many years ago 
And God has graciously touched his life numerous times since. But that moment of power changed his life entirely. Forgiveness. His power is at work in us. Forgiveness. Being a Christian isn't about living a good life or, or turning over a new leaf. It's about a new life in Christ. And it has to be empowered, my friends. The early church prayed for the power of God to be at work in their lives. Listen, listen to this in, in Ephesians as one writer writes to his church in Ephesus. He says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power that, that is at work in us, within us. You know, his power works in us. His power changed their lives. Storm-free? Not a bit of it. This power enabled Christians to live the life. And not only did they have, we couldn't say it was storm-free, they had persecutions, they, had, they lost their livelihood, you know, they, they were isolated from families because of being a Christian. And on top of that, of course, all the normal storms of life that you and I have we go through all the time. The point being that Jesus is in the boat with them. That's the point. And whatever storm you go through, he will not abandon you. And storms of life can shake you. They can shake you, shake you. Oh, but God's work in your life can shape you and shape you and shape you. How is God's power at work in us possible? Well, because Jesus was thrown into the ultimate storm. And he experienced the storm of God's judgment for our sin. You know, when the angel came to the Virgin Mary to announce the birth of her son, he was going to give birth to a son, she told him to give him the name Jesus because it means the Lord saves. And then the angel said, because he will save his people from their sins. I love that, his people, you know, loves people. You know, wherever you read this Jesus, I mean, crowds following him. Men, women, children, the sick, the healthy, the rich, the poor. It's just people. Befriended the rejects that nobody else wanted to friend. The dirty and despised knew they mattered to him. He will save his people from their sins. Jesus endured the ultimate storm on the cross of eternal justice for you and for me. He paid for our sin. Father, forgive them. I don't know what they do. The gospel, my friends, it's good news. It's Jesus, it's the great exchange to stand right. He makes it possible as he takes our sin upon himself that we can now stand right, just as he, he did, just to stand right before him, have confidence before a holy God. No condemnation. Pays the debt. All our wrongdoing, all our constant failing and accompanying and guilt and shame. 
so we can stand before a holy God. You can do that. If you trust in what Jesus has done for you, you can do that. You know, and when you truly know that, well, I think, I was going to ask you, you won't ask the question, but I think we do because of our humanity. I was going to say, that, you know, would we really ask the question, don't you care? And I think sometimes in the heat of the storm, we just say that, don't you care? And yet, really, we know he does. We know he does. He won't let you go. I met, as I finish here now, I met recently someone I hadn't seen for 35 years. And he spent much of his time, he was telling me, we were talking to him. It was a wonderful sort of connection with him. And he spent much of his time running away from God in that time. He got himself into serious trouble. And he suffered from alcoholic uh, addiction. And finally, he went to Alcoholics Anonymous. And God met with him there. That moment, that day, broke. It broke the power of alcohol over him, and he hasn't touched a drop since. Done. God's power breaking in, just like that. And he said to me that he knew God was on his case. All the way through, God was on his case. My friends, Jesus, Jesus truly cares for you. Don't you care, Lord? Don't you care? Oh, yeah. He truly cares for you. Tuck that away this week. Thank you, Richard.